0: This message has been four weeks in the making. I was supposed to preach the last Sunday of October. I got the flu that week and I lost my voice. And it's not back yet. But well, last time Brother Tony asked me if I wanted to preach, he said, I don't care if I have to get Siri to preach it for me, I'm gonna preach. Here we go. I have a question before we start and I can't give you the text yet because if I give you the text, it might answer the question. How many of you remember what Brother Tony preached this morning? Okay. How many of you remember what Brother Tony preached two weeks ago? (laughs) How many of you guys remember what Brother Tony preached four weeks ago? How many of you remember what Brother Tony preached September 19th, the morning message? Well, you guys can know the answer to all those questions and more if you subscribe to our church's podcast where you can re-listen to our messages every week. Shameless plug, I don't care. Um, Go listen to it. Um, Brother Tony that morning preached about um, the prodigal son coming home and ready to humble himself before his father, and the father uh, welcoming him with open arms. How he was ready to repent, and he did repent, but the father didn't hold his past sins against him. Um, And so I've known what I've wanted to preach since then, so really this has been three months in the making. Um, Tonight, I want us to look at Luke chapter 15 for our text, and I want us to see the reaction that the older brother had, and really what I want us to do is look at a few reasons, a few theories why we as Christians sometimes don't show compassion to people when they're ready to get their heart right with God. Um, So the title of my message is Give Them a Break, Give Them a Break. Uh, Luke chapter 15, we're going to start... In verse 25, in Sunday school, I get Hagen to read the text for me when my voice gone, but I'm not going to ask her to do that now. She'd get embarrassed like she is now. Luke chapter 15, starting at verse 25, Uh, it says, Now his older son was in the field. As he came and drew near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what this meant. He said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf Because he has received him safe and sound. He was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years have I served you, nor have I ever transgressed your commands, yet never have you given me a goat so that I might be married with my friends. But when this son of yours came who has devoured your living with harlots, you killed the fattened calf for him. He said to him, son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. But it was fitting to be merry and be glad for this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time to come together, Lord. Thank you for this, for this church family. God, thank you for the way that it loves and that it supports its pastors and its ministries and the way that it's trying to be a beacon and a lighthouse to the community. God, I just pray that you would give me your words to speak. Lord, hide me behind your cross so that uh, I might deliver your message the way that you've laid it on my heart. Forgive me where I failed you. It's in your name I pray, amen. <clears throat> so, I feel like, I feel statements. I feel that we as Christians sometimes, when someone who has a reputation for being dramatic, for being the center of attention, for making consistently bad choices, those kind of people. And everybody's got a person in their mind right now. We aren't always compassionate towards those people when they try to get their life right with God. I asked the teenagers about this a couple of weeks ago, and I asked, what do you think of when that person that comes to your mind, if they were to come to church next Sunday and come down the aisle and rededicate their life to the Lord, have that come to Jesus moment, what would you think? And most of them agree that um, they would be skeptical. They would think that they are trying to get attention, that they are up to something, that they want something. And I don't think that that's just a teenager's mindset. I think that's everybody's mindset. Um, Because, I I mean, I'm like that with family. Um, So this morning, I want to talk about some possible theories about why it is that we're not willing to give them a break. And I, I think the first reason is we're jealous. In this passage, the prodigal son has come home and his father is throwing a party and everybody is excited. Meanwhile, the older brother, who's probably working at this moment, hears the music, stops the servant and asks what's going on. And they said, man, your brother's home and we're throwing a party. Your father is excited and so we're celebrating his homecoming. And instead of being concerned about where his brother's been, or wanting to go hear about all of his stories or being just happy in general, the older brother is outside pouting and sulking. And his father notices that the older son isn't there, and so he goes to him and asks, son, what's wrong? And man, this boy lays into his daddy, and I want you to know that if I ever questioned or spoke to my father like this, y'all yeah, wouldn't have a new pastor. Uh, this, guy, this older son just lays into his dad saying, Dad, I've been here since day one. I never left your side. I've always done the work. I've done everything that you've asked. And you've never even given me a goat. And meanwhile, my younger brother, Joel. Well, Joel's my younger brother. Joel comes in and it's like he's the golden boy and you're throwing a party for him. He's wasted everything that you've given him. And I've been here since day one. Me, 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 I, 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 right, 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 Complain. He has this sense of entitlement what he fails to realize is that there's two different levels of spiritual maturity being represented in this passage. There's the older brother who is a spiritually mature Christian, who is mature in his faith, who studies his word, who serves and loves God. And then there's a younger brother who represents someone who's new to the faith, an infant. Um, and there's two different with two different maturity levels comes two different sets of expectations. This older brother shouldn't have to be rewarded and celebrated for doing what he knows is right. But for this younger brother, he's, who's new to the faith, who's new to his walk with Christ, it's worth getting excited over. Let me put it this way When, when I was being potty trained, and the first time I went pee pee in the potty, my parents were excited and were celebrating. But do you think when I go home Thursday and I use the restroom, my parents are going to throw a party for me? No, because I know better. Because I know what's right. That's the point that the father's trying to make. He says, son, I've, I have noticed you. I've watched you. I know that you never left my son. He said, son, all that I have is yours. He's going above and beyond the uh, inheritance that was promised. He says, son, everything that I have is yours, but your brother... His eyes are finally open to the way that he's been living in. He's, he's come back home. Two different sets of maturity levels, two different sets of expectations, and that's fair. It's fair. God doesn't love the older. Bro- God doesn't love those of us that are spiritually mature and that do what's right more than he loves those that aren't spiritually mature. But he does expect more out of us than he does those that are young in the faith. So I think the first reason is that we're jealous of the attention. We're jealous of all the attention that they're getting. The second theory that I have is that we can't see past their reputation. We can't see past their past mistakes. Um, we're not going to turn there for time's sake, but when Paul was struck blind on the road to Damascus and he was told afterwards by Jesus to go connect with Ananias, you remember what Ananias responded to Jesus when Jesus told him to go hook up with Paul. To go meet up? Paul said, uh, I mean, Ananias said, Jesus, are you sure? Jesus, this guy, he's, he's dangerous. Jesus, he's killing Christians left and right. I would be putting myself in danger if I did this, Jesus. Are you sure? But Jesus' response was, yes, Ananias, I'm sure. Like, Jesus didn't know that. Anyways, he says, yes, I'm sure because I have big plans for Paul. And Ananias, Paul is going to know what it means to suffer for the cause of Christ. Speaking as someone who has made past mistakes and they were public mistakes, um, when I was trying, when I finally realized that I could be forgiven by God and I was ready to move on with my spiritual walk, I didn't need people reminding me of what I'd done because I knew. And even though Jesus had forgiven me, I was still carrying that with me. Can you imagine if Ananias would have said no? If after Jesus pleading with Ananias, if he would have just said no, I'm good? Can you imagine if Paul and Ananias hadn't connected together and he hadn't started his missionary journey? I mean, yeah, Paul made a faith claim, but people get saved all the time and all they do is fill a people. Can you imagine if that would have been Paul? Bob would be a lot shorter, I know that. When someone is ready to make their life lives right with God and they're ready to come before the church and get connected with the church, they don't need us reminding them of all the things that they've done wrong. That's not how people grow. That's how people are intimidated and don't live for Christ because of fear. Because if God's people can't forgive me and see past what I've done, then has God really forgiven me? Or if God's people can't forgive me, how am I going to lead anybody else to Christ? We can't see past their reputation. And then my third theory is that I think that we become apathetic. We just plain old quit caring. It's not important to us anymore. Again, we're not going to turn there. When Peter was asking Jesus, how many times do I have to forgive somebody? How many times do I have to forgive my neighbor? Seven. Peter was really... Peter was trying to do the bare minimum. He was trying to figure out the number of times so that he could have a checklist. So when he reached that seventh person, he didn't have to forgive anybody else anymore. He was showing where his heart was at at that time. Now, I think Peter grew spiritually over time, but I think a lot of us, we get that way. We just phone it in and we try to look at what I have to do as opposed to what can I do for Christ. Well, it's Sunday, so I got to go to church at least twice if I'm a good Christian, and if I'm a really good Christian, then I'll get up early enough to go to Sunday school, and then Wednesday I got to go to church, and then I got to make sure that I write my tithe check, and once that's done, then I'm done living for Jesus. I've filled all the boxes, and so now I'm good. I don't have to worry about Jesus or the church anymore. Jesus said, Peter, seventy times seven times, Peter, if you're just looking to do the bare minimum for me, I don't need you. Church, if we're just looking to do the bare minimum for Jesus, then he don't need us. When we become apathetic towards people and we stop caring about them, that means that we're not looking for opportunities to serve, and that means that we're not looking for chances to share the gospel. I'm going to say something, and it's not easy to say, and so it's not going to be easy to hear, but I asked the teenagers this. So if you guys ever heard people say things like today's generation, you young people, you don't care, (laughs) you're lazy, you're entitled, you just expect everything to be handed for you, you're disrespectful? And of course, they said yes, because everybody's heard that before, and most of us have probably even said that before in this room. Said, when people say those kind of things to you, does it make you want to spend time with them? Does it make you feel loved and accepted? And they said no, because that's the truth. If people... Say those kind of things about you long enough that eventually you don't want to hear it anymore, and so you run. I said, do you think that when, those kind of people, when people say those things, do you think that they're worried if that person is lost or saved or not? Do you think that they're worried about giving them the gospel? They said, no. When we stop caring about a group of people, then that means that we're not trying to reach them for the gospel, or even worse, we are trying to reach them for the gospel, but we've <laughs> run their name through the ground so many times, that they don't want anything to do with us. Why on earth would you want to sit and be at a church with somebody like that? We become apathetic. We just just stop caring. All we're worried about is checking the boxes. We have to have compassion on people and give them a break. That person that came in your mind earlier tonight when we were talking about those people... If that person came next week and did, they came down the aisle during their invitation and Brother Tony announced that they wanted to get their life right with God and they wanted to rededicate and they wanted to be a part of the church, would you scoff and be skeptical about their intentions or would you just be excited and help and encourage them? We've got to understand that they are infants in Christ and that they don't know any better and that all of this is new. We've got to be willing to not set them up for failure and help the change stick. We've got to see past their mistakes because someone saw past our mistakes and Christ saw past the mistakes of the world. And if they fail to measure up, if they fall down and mess up, which they will, Instead of kicking them when they're down, we've got to be willing to extend a hand of mercy and grace and help them back up because that's how people grow.